It's great. We're going to really understand what it means for the church to live and operate in the resurrected power of God. We want the church to have divine encounters because if we don't have encounters with God, there's not a program known to man that will help us. There's not an organization. There's not a budget. I, you can't pay. You could, you could fix little things, whatever, you know, how to do this, how to do that. Some preachers, that's all they preach is how-to messages. Maybe the only how-to message we ought to preach is how to get to God. Because if we have a divine encounter with Him, everything changes. So last week we talked about the seven verbs. And Paul, before Paul talks about the church, he wants you to know what your standing is. And if you were here last week, we talked about you're blessed, you're chosen, you're destined. He's bestowed on you. He's lavished grace on you. He's made known mysteries to you. Amen. And he's going to gather it all up together someday. And everything will be in Christ. But then after all that, beginning in verse 15, Paul gets on his knees. And this is wonderful because we actually get a glimpse into Paul's actual prayer for the church. And though he prayed it for the church at Ephesus, this prayer is for Journey Life Center. Amen. A little slow on the draw, but now we're okay. So I, I titled this, So I'm a Saint? Probably should have put a question mark there. You know, we joke about that, and I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute. But let's look at the prayer. Verse, verse 15, this is also from the Passion Translation. He said, because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith. Now, I thought, now I said that, that, that Paul pastored this church for three years, right? But it's been many, it's been several years since then. Paul is in prison in Rome, Okay. And the church has grown, all new faces and so forth. So he writes this letter to Ephesus many years after he pastored there. I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love toward all his devoted ones. Isn't it still all about love? My heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly, constantly, listen to this, constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart. Oh, the first thing he wants to do, he said, I want God to impart something in you. I want him to impart to you the riches wow, of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. You know, and some of us, we want revelation and wisdom so we can know all kinds of things. But I want you to catch this. I had never noticed this before. There's a purpose here. He said, I want, you, I want God to give you wisdom and knowledge so that you might know him. I didn't know it took that. Yes, God's not that easy to get to know. He's kind of a smart guy. We'll spend all eternity learning about him. I know some of you think you're going to know it all when you get there. Some of you know it all now, but I'm but we don't know him. Come on. I like what Paul said in Philippians. Oh, that I may know him. Come on now. Wisdom and the spirit of revelation. To know him through your deepening intimacy with him. 
how many of us are preaching? Come on now. How many of us are preaching intimacy? How many of us stress communion with him? Uh, everything but. But that's what the church needs. Because the better you know him, the more victorious you're going to be. The more supernatural uh, encounters you're going to have. Number two, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. The King James says, the eyes of your heart. Did you know your heart had eyes? The eyes of your imagination flooding you, flooding you, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. Ah, Get this. God has hope in the calling He's placed on your life. I know some of us think this whole thing's just about getting your ticket stamped so you can go to heaven. You all got your tickets. So when you get to the pearly gate, you stamp my ticket, St. Peter. How many know salvation's a whole lot more than just getting your ticket stamped? Jesus. The hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us his holy ones. Did you know he considers you a holy one? Now, some of us have holes, but holy ones, H-O-L-Y. I don't know if I've ever heard this preach, but God is going to inherit something. He's going to inherit us. That's why they call it reckless love. <laughs> we are the glorious inheritance. Wow. Does anyone feel better about yourself now? If you're a blood-bought Christian, you are his glorious inheritance. You're one of his holy ones. You're a saint. Walk out of here feeling perfect. Amen. Is there one more? Verse 19. I pray, number three, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness. I love Paul. He just put one adjective on top of the other. (laughs) Continually experience immeasurable greatness of God. God's power made available to you through faith. Did you know you have power that's been made available to you? I'm weary of preachers and churches that who only preach, only preach salvation and never equip the body of Christ to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what it is? It's like I were to come up to you and say, I have in my pocket, Tootsie Rolls, I have in my pocket $1 million, and it's all yours after you die. Really? Really? Thanks a lot. And that's what I say to a lot of churches. Thanks a lot for nothing. That we don't get anything. It's all about the sweet by and by. It's all about when we die. Everything will be fine after we die. But in the meantime, we got to live in this miserable world. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's not heaven. That's now. I said that's now. 
My job is to get you to the now. Our job is to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. Amen. Oh, my God. We sing about streets of gold. Let me tell you something about the streets. You know why the streets are gold? Because that's the cheapest thing in heaven. They got so much of it, they paved the streets with it. That's not to impress you. That's to let you know that's the cheapest thing in heaven. Amen. We all live for the gold down here. Listen, there's a whole lot more. He has more than gold for you. He has more than financial blessings for you. Come on. He wants us to have a divine encounter with the Holy One and walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. These people say, I can't wait to see this one or that one. I'm just going. Listen, I'm not going to see my cousin, second cousin, twice removed. I'm going to heaven to see Jesus. Amen. When you get into heaven, are you really going to go look for somebody or would you rather see Jesus? I got news for you, too. I don't believe St. Peter meets you at the gate. I just don't. Amen. When God made Adam, he breathed into his nostrils. When Adam opened his eyes, the first thing he saw was not St. Peter. It was God Almighty. I believe when you get to heaven, the first thing you see is Jesus who died for you. You got a thousand, you got a, you got eternity to go see Aunt Bethel. Amen. Is there such a thing as an Aunt Bethel? I, I, I picked a name that nobody has. I'm seeing rabbits everywhere. Go to Ephesians 1, verse 20. Let's go. Let's, let's keep going. Amen. This is about the church living in resurrected power. And I could preach there, and I will, for several weeks. He said that was released. This power was released when God raised Christ from the dead. That's when it was released. I know we Pentecostals think it was released on the day of Pentecost. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, we were endued with power to be a witness. But power to live a victorious life. He said the Holy Ghost was power to witness. Power to start a small group. Ha! Glory to God. Power. Listen, what about... What about the power? Listen, you don't need the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues to live right. The blood did that. The resurrection did that. That energized you and made you a powerhouse to live for God. Amen. Did you realize, and I think I said this last week, do you realize that before the resurrection, he could not get the disciples to pray one hour? I'm trying, Lord bless you. <laughs> Amen. But after the resurrection, they prayed for 10 days straight. Oh, my. Do you realize that the message of the early church, because they really didn't have a complete, recognized New Testament Bible, right, until about 300 A.D. So they didn't walk around with the New Testament. They didn't say, the Bible says, because they didn't have one. Wow. What was their message? Listen, your message is not the Bible. Oh, shock, shock and no awe. <laughs> Your message really isn't the Bible. Your message is he rose from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's your story. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Amen. It's the resurrection. Amen. I'm not downplaying the Scriptures. That is the Word of God. I understand that. But what energized the early church? What got them going? They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a New Testament. They had a message. we got to get back to having a message. 
We're not about, you know, we're not about politics. It's not about legislation. It really doesn't matter who's in the White House. What matters is who's in his house. I was listening to a song the other day. A man said he was singing. He said something about, and, and, and I went to the master's house. I knew he was talking about church. He said, I went to the master's house, but the master wasn't home. And I'm afraid people are coming to church and they're just hearing politics and good music and, and, and they're being pampered. And you know what the problem with the church today is? They don't have any skin in the game. All you got to do to be saved, just repeat these words after me and just sit down there. By the way, if you can tithe, God bless you. In some countries, if you get saved, that means you could be losing your job or your life. They've got skin in the game. It's no wonder the power of the Holy Ghost falls on them because when they get saved, they're radical. Ah, come on. Come on and praise Him. Come on, go on and praise Him. And now He is exalted, right? As first above every ruler, authority, government. Oh, it doesn't matter who's in the right in the White House. God's above them. Amen. He's still in charge. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And He alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. Y'all get that? I hear pastors all the time, well, if I just had this, if I just had, if I just had a better building, if I just had a better location, if I just had more money, if, if I just had some members I can count on, <laughs> if I just had this, if I just had that. No, no, no. You just need Jesus. Get intimate with him. You'll be surprised what will happen. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him oh, the highest rank above all others. I think there's one more verse. Watch this. And he alone. Did I read that already? Yes. Are you with me? You know what? You're a saint. Oh, we look around. You're wanting to look around. I don't know about so. He prays all this stuff and calls you saints. In fact, this is interesting. Nowhere in Paul's epistles does he ever call us Christian. The word Christian is only used three times in the entire New Testament. He didn't call us Christians. He said, you're a, you're a saint. Let that sink in. You know, the way I was raised <laughs> as a Catholic, you, even if you go to heaven, you're not a saint. You have to be canonized. You have to work miracles after you die <laughs> to be a saint. So when I came into the church of God, amen, and we start talking about people being saints, I thought, now at first I thought they were. I thought, my God, these people are awesome. But the longer I serve the Lord, the more they backslid. When God calls us saints, it's not about character. Some people have character and some people are characters. It's not about character. He doesn't call us saints because we're perfect. Paul has been around long enough. Hello, Corinth. He's been around long enough to know that, that people are not perfect even in the early church. So he doesn't call us saints because we're perfect. It's interesting that if you take the word saint, take one letter off of that, and you're an eight. It's not about perfection. It's about position. It's about position. It's not because you're, you're perfect. It's because that word saint is also the word holy. It's all, it literally means someone 
or something that is set apart for sacred service. You're a saint because you're set apart for sacred duty. Wow. I know you think you were set apart just to come on Sunday morning and sit in the pew and preach her. You better preach a good one because I need this. Boy, they they better sing my song today because I need it. No, no. You're set apart. You're, oh, catch this. You are a resting place for the anointing of God that draws the Spirit of God that makes us saints. Paul uses some form of that word saint nine times in the book of Ephesians. It's not, it's, it's relational. We're saints because we're connected to him and disconnected from the world. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, it said that the furniture had to be anointed. And he said once the furniture is anointed, it couldn't be used for any other purpose. In fact, if it wasn't your duty to touch a, a certain thing, you couldn't even touch it because it said if anyone touched a holy thing, that would make them holy, maybe illegally. That's weird. Preacher, explain that. No, you come on Wednesday night. Huh. The, the, the altar of incense was a piece of furniture, but it was holy. The table with the 12 loaves of bread, you couldn't, you couldn't have biscuits and gravy on it. It was set apart for a holy use. The shovels and the, and the, the, the pitchers and everything for the water and the ashes and for cleaning up and all, even the broom <laughs> was set apart as holy. You couldn't use it to sweep the kitchen floor. It was for God's use. God, help us. How are you being used in the kingdom? You have been set apart. It's not so much about the no's. Oh, I'm going to preach about no and yes one of these days. And it's not so much about don't do this or don't do that or don't do that. Listen, there's more power in yes than there is no. And the no's are real. But listen, the no's, it says, don't touch this, don't do that, don't think that, and all that stuff. It's really because when you do those things, you are, you are conducting yourself, you are doing something that you are not called to do or to be. That's why he doesn't want, it's not that God's sitting up there and saying, I've got my rules, you know. No, those laws are like gravity. You can't fight it. <laughs> If you do what you're not called to do, you're going to get hurt. So let's live with the yes instead of the no. Can I get an amen right there? Oh, How long have I been preaching? I forgot to push my clock. You all right? Are you all right? I'm free. I'm free. Isaiah 61 will explain this real quick. I'll, I'll be quick if you'll listen quick. How many will listen quick? You know this, right? You know this. Uh, this is from NIV. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because... Because purpose. Why is the Spirit on you? Because, wow, because you're anointed. We, we keep seeking the anointing instead of the, and, and, and we seek the Spirit to get the anointing when we're supposed to have the anointing to get the Spirit. The anointing is what, see, only prophets, priests, and kings were anointed in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we, we're all anointed. To be anointed means this man is set aside to be a king. Saul, even after he messed up, 
David wouldn't touch him because he was still anointed. He wasn't living right. He was trying to kill him, but he wouldn't touch him because good or bad, he's still anointed. The Bible says, touch not mine anointed. we got to start treating each other better because whether you like them or not, whether they're right or not, they're still God's anointed. What does that mean? That means they've been set apart. They are not perfect. This is news to some of you, but your pastor is not perfect. He put his amen sign up backwards. I don't know what, not sure what that means. Not sure what. He may have had something written on the back. I don't know. You're not allowed to add any script to your signs. God help us. This, this is a news flash, but you don't follow people in the Lord. Because they're perfect. You follow them because God told you to follow them. And because God, listen, God put me in this place. Not because I'm all that. And, and you don't decide, well, I just don't like the way he's doing. So I'm just going to go something. If you're going to follow people, if you're only going to follow perfect people, pretty soon you're all alone following yourself. And you're not perfect either. You're going to cut yourself off at some point. If you could get this one point, it would transform the church. We don't follow because they're perfect. We follow because God has placed them there. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. You say, well, I don't like that elder. I don't care. I didn't, we didn't call them so you could be happy with them. You're called. Oh, they've been set apart to do a job in the kingdom of God called elder, and it's your job to love them, pray for them, and respect. I don't like them. Well, love your enemies then. Still got to pray for them. You still got to love them. You might as well put your grudges away and just enjoy. Looking for a safe spot here. I need a safer pulpit, I think. I'm not very safe. Oh, I got it. Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach what? Good, not bad news. Not angry news. Not we hate the world and everything going on in it. He's called us to preach good news. Who? To whom? (laughs) The poor. Come on, come on. The brokenhearted. The captives. The prisoners. Jesus, help us. To proclaim the year of jubilee of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort. Come on, come on. To provide, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness poured on them instead of mourning. And number three, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they'll be called oaks, strength of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Ah, do you know, God, you are... (laughs) You're a poster child for God. I got a minute for these three things. He said, the crown of beauty. That crown, the Roman emperors wouldn't wear a gold crown. They would wear a crown of, uh, of just leaves. And the myth, and I, let me emphasize the myth, is that every time they saw him, they had that crown on. And the myth was he was such an amazing God that that, that, that those leaves never dried out, that that crown on him always was fresh and green for as long as he was the emperor. 
Now, we know he changed it every day, right? But Paul's referencing that. He's saying, God, oh, God's washing away the ashes. <sighs> what, 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 what's ashes? He's washing away all the failure. He's washing away everything that was left after your trial. He's washing away all the pain of the past. He, he doesn't want you to walk around with ashes on your head. He wants you to wear a living crown. In other words, God wants you green constantly. God wants you growing constantly. He wants you to wear a living crown and not ashes from failure. Oh, that's a whole sermon right there, right? Who's got an hour? That's a whole sermon. And then, and then oil of gladness. I think, you know, David talks about this in Psalms 45. Do we have that? He, he wants to pour. You are passionate for righteousness and you hate lawlessness. This is why God, your God, crowns you, watch, crowns you, right, with bliss, joy above your fellow kings. He has anointed you more than any other. He's anointed you with his oil of fervent joy, the very fragrance of heaven's gladness. We're talking about joy that they have in heaven is now being anointed and we are now being anointed with the joy that they have in heaven. Okay. Y'all didn't get that. Woo. And, and what's the third one? Go back. It's that, it's that robe. He said, I'm going to take off the clothes of depression. I'm going to take off the garment of despair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off hopelessness. And I'm going to give you a robe of praise. Not just you giving praise but you actually receiving praise. I'm going to dress you so when people see you, they will want to come to you. They'll want you to pray for them. They'll want you to witness to them. They'll want to be in your company because you're in the company of the Holy One. Get us to the place where even our shadow heals people, where your old handkerchief raises someone from the dead. Ha! Glory to God. I don't. All I got is a Kleenex. Will that work? It's been around. Are you hearing me? Listen, let me tell you one thing about that robe. The robe identifies who you are and what your station in life is and what your calling is. When the prodigal son came back, he was dressed in a robe fitting for his position. It wasn't just that it was pretty or expensive. It defined him. And God is going to give us a robe that will define you, define your purpose and who you are in God. Does anybody want that? Anybody understand that? Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I got to hurry. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, real quick. We have, we have to stop identifying with Adam and start identifying with Jesus. We just, we're just identifying with our failures too much, and I, I can't do this, and I'm not worthy, and I'm not this, and I'm, you know, that's false humility. We know we're not all that. Amen. Pride is a sin. It's, I heard someone say the other day, pride is probably, probably the greatest sin. And yet, in my 40 years of being a pastor, I've never heard anyone confess it. That's because we're too full of pride. Oh. I've never had anyone come to the altar and say, Pastor, I'm just full of pride. And don't you dare say amen. They'll be offended. Yeah, it's quiet, and it's quiet, and it's quiet. Pride is our, Pride goes before a fall. I know we think there's a whole lot of other sins that are worse, but I think pride is the one that gets us. And we never confess it. 
I should just leave that right there. <laughs> um, I, I got to wrap. Let, let's jump to uh, Isaiah 61 again, verse 4. Let's close this out. You ready? Musicians come. That'll motivate. They. Say they. Say it again. Say it one more time. Who is. We're on a roll now. Who is they? They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Wow, what a calling. What if God would bless this city and rebuild this county because of the saints? Oh, you're not getting this. Rebuild the ancient ruins. Restore the places long devastated. They, say they, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Someone said Crestline. Yes. Aliens will shepherd your flock. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. Amen. You're going to get employees. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches, you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in that land, in that promise, and everlasting joy will be theirs. Let me define who they is. (laughs) You know who it is? Go back to Isaiah 61, verse 1. Here's who they is. It's the poor. It's the brokenhearted. It's the captives. It's the prisoners. It's the depressed. It's the discouraged. It's the beat up. It's hopeless people. Who's they? It's not some super race of people. It's us. How could that be us, Pastor? It's because God has anointed us. Hallelujah. Come here, Ron. It's because God has taken us from the mess we're in. And he said, Ron, you're not perfect, but you're over here with me now. You're over here with me with me now. Amen. Hallelujah. You once were that, but now it's the great exchange. You just give God your sickness. Give God your hopelessness. Give God your depression. Give God all your answers. And he exchanges it. He hath anointed me, the Spirit of the Lord. You can sit down. The Spirit of Will the Spirit of the Lord is on you because God has set you apart for a great work. Spirit of the Lord's God is on you. Not because you're all that. Not because you're perfect. Not because you've done some great thing. He just set you apart and said, you're the man now. I'm anointing you. I'm putting my spirit on you to do great things for God. You're a saint. You're a saint.